You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. Pastor Jürgen here. I'm so glad that you're back. It is going to be an incredible night. I promise you it is worth your while. Most people, you're lucky to drag them to church once on a Sunday, but here you are tuning in for a second time. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed. The title of my message tonight is The God of Above and Beyond. The God of Above and Beyond. You know, just a few weeks ago, we celebrated Easter. If you said to most believers, to most Christians, what's Easter about? They will tell you it's about atonement. It's where God provided a covering for our sin where God provided a covering for our sin. I need to make a confession right now. All my life, that's exactly what I believed. I believe that that atonement, what Jesus did on the cross was He literally provided a covering for my sin. But I need you to understand I've discovered from the Scriptures and from God that that was the very, very least that God did, not the very most that God didn't just cover our sin, that God isn't just a God in His atonement that provides a covering. God always makes us look better than what we ever did by ourselves. God doesn't just cover our faults, but He elevates us, our status, our position. He doesn't just cover our wounds, our blemishes and our darknesses, but He dispenses to us His grace, His loving kindness and His light. That yes, we were aliens of the covenants of God. The Bible says that we were, while we were enemies, while we were estranged, strangers to His covenants, He has brought us in, grafted us in, and has made us sons of light. So He doesn't just cover our blemishes, He actually gratises to us His incredible favour and His incredible blessings over our life. So let me read to you a passage of Scripture. You might be familiar with it. I preached on this just a couple of weeks ago. Powerful passage. It's in Judges chapter 6 about Gideon. The Bible says that Gideon was hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat in order to hide it from the Midianites. The Bible says an angel of the Lord came to Gideon, the son of Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. And the angel says to him, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Gideon, you mighty man of valor. Now we know the name Gideon means warrior or literally one who cuts in pieces. Gideon right now doesn't look like a warrior. He looks like a wimp. He looks like a wuss. He's hiding in a wine press. He is the, he is, could, couldn't get any further. He is the antithesis of a warrior or one who cuts in pieces. And Gideon just lifts his eyes, looks at the angel and says, yeah, God is with us. Yeah, we'll explain this. Where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, has not the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? Where are all these miracles and all these wonderful works? No, no, no. God has forsaken us. That's why the Midianites oppress us. The angel turns to him and says, Go, Gideon, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? Gideon says to him, How can I go? I'm the least in my father's house. My house is the least in our clans, and our clans are the least of all the tribes. I'm not able to go. The angel says to him, Gideon, go, 
for the Lord will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites as though they are one man. The theme that I want to speak to you today is I want you to know that God makes you better looking than you could ever be by yourself. God makes you look better. God makes you be better. In fact, God will elevate you to a place where you could never get yourself. Gideon says to God, I'm not a a warrior. Look at me. Look at me. I'm a beat up wimp. My whole life, all I've known is defeat and loss. I know that they name me Gideon, but you know what? Parents will do that. They start out all optimistically. But have a look every year. All I see is loss. All I see is disappointment. All I see is defeat. As the Amalekites come in, the Midianites come in, as numerous as the locusts, and they leave no sustenance for Israel. Read the story, Judges 6. He says, I've become a product of my environment. I'm living down to my experience. Friend, God wants you to live up to what He has called you to, not live down to your experience. You may have had job loss. You may have been retrenched. You may have made a wrong career choice. You may have faced loss. You may have gone through a, a brutal divorce. Right now, you may be struggling with an addiction or dysfunction. I want you to know that God doesn't want to just provide atonement. He doesn't want to just cover your sin. He doesn't want to just rescue you from your addiction so that you're a recovering alcoholic, you're a recovering drug addict, you're you're a once divorcee or a twice divorcee. He doesn't want to just cover your sin. What God does is so beautiful. There was a guy in the Bible, his name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth literally means destroyer of shame remover of shame. The Bible says when David becomes king of Israel, as he's seated on his throne, there was a day where David inquires and he says, you know, is there nobody left to the house of Jonathan that I may show them kindness? David loved Jonathan as his own soul. David had seven brothers, but his brothers were the the children of a different mother. They despised David. They were nasty to him. David watched his seven brothers, his seven siblings get on. They loved each other. They played together. Whenever David tried to join in, they said, rack off, you little runt. Nick off, you jerk. They were never kind to David. David found in Jonathan a brother. He found a sibling. He found a, a fellowship, a relationship that he didn't have in his own home. David loved Jonathan. So now David said, is there anybody of the house of Jonathan that I may show kindness? Well, they inquired and they find out, well, actually, there is a son of Jonathan. His name is Mephibosheth, destroyer of shame. However, he's lame in his feet because when Saul and Jonathan and all the sons of Saul and Jonathan were put to the sword by the enemy, the nurse, the maid attending, picked up little baby Mephibosheth and she ran. And as she ran, she tripped and stumbled and she fell with her full weight on this little baby, this little infant, and she broke his back and he's now paralyzed from the waist down. He is lame in his feet. He is a cripple. He is disabled. David says, send for him, send for him. For he shall no longer, he shall no longer grovel in his home, but he shall from now on eat at the king's table. The Bible says when the royal carriages pulled up in front of Mephibosheth's home, Mephibosheth thought that this was the day that he dreaded that had now caught up with him. See, 
Lions do it. In fact, the entire animal kingdom does it. When a young lion challenges the old alpha and defeats that alpha and takes over the pride, the first thing that lion does is he wipes out all the males that have the DNA of the previous alpha so that it's only his DNA that is able to, to go forth. This happens in kingdoms everywhere. This happens right throughout the animal kingdom and right throughout the dynasty after dynasties that we see throughout empires. This was a day that Mephibosheth had been dreaded. The Bible says Mephibosheth crawls out on his hands and knees trying to show, listen, I'm no threat. Please, I beg of you, let me live. And he says to the king's servants, what does the king want with a dead dog like me? Look at me. I'm just a dead dog. I'm no threat. Please, I beg of you, let me live. They said, no, they picked him up and they put him in the carriage. Mephibosheth thinks that he's going to the presence of the king, to his execution, to his annihilation. But when he gets to King David, instead of being executed and annihilated, David seats him up. He seats him at the king's table as one of the royals. And he sits there at the king's table eating the finest cuisine, the finest food brought in from all over the land of Israel, cooked by the greatest chefs. And I want you to notice seated at the table, if you're paralyzed from the waist down, when you're seated, nobody can see your blemish. Nobody can see your, dif- your disability. In fact, it was covered by the tablecloth. Nobody could see the frailty of his legs. In fact, he stood up or sat up there with statesman-like stature. That is a picture of God. Remember, God chose David because he had a heart like God's. I said, I've chosen a king, a man with a heart after my own heart. God did the same. You and I deserve death as sinners, but God doesn't doesn't give us what we deserve. He elevates us. The Bible says we are seated in Christ where our blemishes, our disabilities are covered, where instead of being dead in our sins, we are seated and now there's a a table prepared before us in the presence of our enemies that we feast at the table of God. This is what God does all the time. I want you to know the life that I live, I got to be honest with you, I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. We've got coming up, it'll be this year, six and then seven locations right around San Diego and Salt Lake City. We have seven seven, uh, properties. I'm not that smart. I'm not that bright. I'm not that brilliant. I got to tell you, it's the hand of God. I was kicked out of school in my, uh, my junior year. My junior year, they wrote a letter to my parents saying, if you don't pull him out of school, we'll be forced to expel him from school. He treats school like he's like a class clown. It was so funny because a couple of years later, I get invited back to the high school that asked me to leave to speak at the Christian group and do an assembly. And I told the very same jokes that got me kicked out of that school and they gave me a standing ovation and people gave their lives to Jesus Christ. I remember after I got saved, sitting in church and uh, our church was so jam-packed that they had an overflow room uh, behind the stage. Well, there was an older gentleman sitting in that overflow room and, and I felt like all the way through the service, he was staring at me. I'm like, man, why is that old guy staring at me? Well, the service finishes and this old man makes a beeline through the crowd and I realize, oh my gosh, it's Mr. Dixon. It's my high school principal. He comes all the way over and all I hear is about 30 feet away and he goes, Matessius! And I'm like, huh? He says, what are you doing here, son? And in my head, I'm like, quick, 
make an excuse, make an excuse. And the other part of my brain's like, no, you don't need to make an excuse. You're safe now. And then the other part of my brain's like, shut up. He's not going to believe that. Make up a lie, make up a lie. And Mr. Dixon gets me, he says, answer me, son. I'm like, ah, 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 I got saved. He goes, no, you didn't. Why are you here? Is it the girls? And I'm like, no, um, honestly, Mr. Dixon, I got saved. Well, he sat down right next to me. And I remember him just looking straight out going, no, no, not you, Matesius, not you, Matesius. I'm like, no, Mr. Dixon, honestly, I got saved. He couldn't believe that I got saved. You know, the most amazing part of that story is about a decade later, I got invited to preach in a church. And as I'm preaching in that church, I give an altar call and a bunch of people get saved. And one of them is this very, very pretty young girl in her, maybe her early 20s. Come to find out afterwards, her dad was my old high school principal, Mr. Dixon. His daughter gets saved in one of my meetings. I want you to know that when you give your life to Christ, when you come to Jesus, He doesn't just cover your your mistakes. He doesn't just provide atonement for your blemishes and your weaknesses. God will elevate you so that you look so much better than you ever could have on your own. I'm not that good a husband, but... God, His anointing and His Word has made me a better husband than I ever saw modelled in my own family, in my own household. I'm not that good a father. I never had a great father. I had a father and he did the best he can, but he was so broken. He was still, still such a victim of all the abuse that he suffered. He had to run away from home at 14. What kind of a 14-year-old makes a decision that I'm better off on my own than staying under this covering? So I never really had a a father that knew how to be a father. But yet the anointing and the Word of God has come into my life to help me to be so much better than I could have ever been on my own. I I didn't know how to lead. Friend, I was such a mess. I was so busy running from that I didn't know how to run to or to lead. But the anointing of God and the Word of God has Bless me to be an incredible leader today of so many people. I, I lead the entire C3 Americas. It, it, it scares me every day I get up. I'm like, God, come on. You and I both know I'm not this good. And he's like, as long as you remain filled with me, and as long as you remain walking in me, I'll always make you look better than you really are. Because I don't just cover your weaknesses. I seat you at a table that is so far above your pay grade, so far beyond. Friend, the greatest thing you could do, if I had a thousand lives, to live. I would give every single one of them to Jesus. I wouldn't say, well, you know, one of them I'll just leave in the world and you go and sin and man, you you sample all the sinful pleasures of this world. But these other 900, no, no, there's not, there is no life. There is no life that is greater than giving your life to Jesus Christ. He doesn't just cover your sin. He'll make you look better than you really are. I found that I didn't know how to be a provider, but God helped me to be a great provider because He provides for me. You know, the first miracle in the Bible that Jesus did in John chapter two was He turned water into wine. He turned water into wine. I know the religious people hate that miracle. They believe he turned water into grape juice, but I'm telling you, he turned it into wine. How do we know? Because they gave it to a sommelier. The sommelier didn't say, wow, this is nice juice. He said, this is the finest of wines. But let me tell you why that story is the first. Because the first is, a, is always the first impression. The first sets the thermostat and the tone for the rest. God chose of all the miracles to be His first miracle this. Why? 
Well, the Bible says that they had run out of wine. This was an incredible blight and embarrassment for the groom. It's the groom's responsibility to make sure that there's enough wine for the feast and the celebration of his wedding. The, the groom right now looks like a cheapskate. The groom right now looks like he has he shirked his responsibility. He has negated what should have been his obligation and duty to the guests who were coming, giving money, giving presents, helping set up this brand new couple. His responsibility was to make sure there was enough wine so they could celebrate. When the story comes to Jesus, Jesus doesn't just cover the sin. He doesn't just cover this guy's blemish. He doesn't just say, oh, well, you know, I'm going to help the, 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 the groom not look bad. The Bible says Jesus sees six wash pots. Read it in John chapter 2. It says, fill them to the brim with water. There's about 30 to 40 gallons apiece in those wash pots. Anywhere between 180 and 240 gallons. So let's split the difference. Let's go 210 gallons. He says, now take some of it and give it to the master of the feast. You're not going to take water from a wash pot and give it to sommelier. But Jesus knows that every word of God, the power is released through an act of faith, through an act of obedience. So they scooped water, but as they took it in that chalice, the water, they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's going to throw it in my face. When they gave it to him, that act of obedience, that act of faith transformed it water when they scooped it. But by the time it hit the lips of the sommelier, it became wine. But it didn't just become any wine. The sommelier is like, my God, my goodness. He says at most weddings, they bring out the good wine at the start. And once everybody's had one or two glasses, then they bring out the cheap stuff. But not you guys, my gosh. You guys have saved the very, very best wine till last. Jesus didn't just cover the sin. He didn't cover the transgression. He didn't even cover the neglect. Jesus did so much more. He elevated the groom. The groom went from a place of shame to a place of elevation and praise. Not only that, there's 210 gallons. There's about 1,600 bottles of wine. Do you really think Jesus was authorizing everybody to get sloshed? No, not a chance. Jesus knew they didn't need all of that. They didn't need all of that. He knew the bride and groom needed that. They could sell all of those bottles of wine. And we know that a really good bottle of wine on a cheap scale is about $200, anyway, up to several thousands of dollars for a bottle of wine. He knew that they could sell the rest of the wine and put a deposit on a house or maybe even buy a house cash, depending on where they wanted to live. Jesus took what was a negative. Jesus took what was a shameful moment, a sinful moment. When Jesus gets involved, he, His atonement doesn't just cover your shame. He doesn't just cover your flaws. He elevates you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And He not only forgives us of our sins, but the Bible says He has seated us with Christ in the heavenly places. Friend, the devil's a liar. He wants you to believe that what Jesus did on the cross was made you a sinner that's forgiven. 
but you always need to remember that you're just a sinner forgiven, that you are, you are vile scum, you are no good, you are, you are detestable, but, but Jesus came and died to take away your detestment and now God tolerates you. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible says to as many as called on Him, to them He gave the power, the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. Friend, He hasn't just covered your sin, He has elevated you. You're no longer just a forgiven child of darkness. You are now a born again son and daughter of the light. He has elevated you into His family, into His blessing, into His provision, into His good ranks. David goes to fight Goliath. He's got five stones. The first stone he pulls out and throws, bam, kill shot. You think David was that good? David knew then and there, hey, I know I'm not that good. It's God's anointing that makes you look better. Friend, if you've never given your life to God, do that right now. On the screen is gonna be a number and a word. The word is, I responded. I want you to text it to 555-888, I responded. The day I gave my life to Jesus, He didn't just cover my sin, He elevated me. I, am, I look so much better than I really am. My marriage is better than it could have been by myself. I know that for sure. I married Leanne, the most beautiful woman in the world, but I'm telling you, left to me, I would have jacked that up. I would have ruined that marriage because I was a messed up, dysfunctional, jack wagon, but Jesus makes you better than you are. I'm not that clever with money, but Jesus, I, I would blow a, an entire fortnight's paycheck on a brand new surfboard and then just try and figure out how, how I was gonna just fast and not eat for two weeks. I'm not that clever, but what Jesus has done in through my life, it's what He does. He, His atonement doesn't just cover your sins, He makes you look better. Friend, the Bible is full of God meaning a broken Moses, 80 years of age, thinking the best years are behind me and I blew it. God says, son, with you, I don't just cover your mistakes. I'm gonna elevate you. You're gonna become the shadow and the type of the Messiah. There won't be a deliverer that can match or parallel you until the deliverer of deliverers comes, Jesus Christ, the only begotten of the Father. You find all the way through your Bible, God steps into Gideon, God steps in every person that God steps into their life. He makes them look better than they could have been on their own. Friend, today, surrender your life to Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus, what are you waiting for? Trust Him, open up your heart, draw near to Him. He'll make you better than you are. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank You for each and every person watching right now. I thank You, Lord God, that atonement doesn't just mean the covering of our sins, that You don't just justify our sins, but it is just as if I'd never sinned before, that you've elevated us to the right hand of the Father, that we are seated in Christ in the heavenly places, that you prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies, that we sit at the banqueting table, the feasting table, and all our blemishes are not only covered, but we sit in elevated places, that as born again children, we are born again, we're a new creation, that your spirit and your word make us better than what we could ever be on our own, that we can have better marriages, better family, better finances, better everything if we put our trust in You. And I'm praying, Lord God, the people out there make a decision, cross the line today, text that word, I responded, 555-888, give your life to Jesus. Friend, He's got great things for you. He's got great things for, for you. I know that for sure. Well, that's all the time we got. I've loved being with you. Absolutely love this format. This week, 
is going to be a powerful week. Tune in for Faith Over Fear and tune in on Wednesday night. We've got an incredible Empower Night at 8 p.m. on Wednesday night. But up until then, God bless you. It's been wonderful to be with you. We love you. God bless you, Awaken. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awaken Church, go to awakenchurch.com.